Welcome to my mom's podcast. You're listening to the Early Childhood Journeys podcast, where we chat with educators, community members, and advocates of early childhood alike through candid and real conversations, focusing on the person behind the practice, along with some tips and strategies as well. I'm your host, Marisa. All right, everybody, welcome back again to another Early Childhood Journeys podcast and another Hispanic Heritage Month special podcast, hashtag Latinas in Ed. Um, My next guest, wow, I'm just going to let you introduce yourself, okay, Raquel? (laughs) So my next guest, we go back several years. I mean, uh, 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 just go ahead, Raquel. Go ahead. Wow, we go back several years. Well, I think we met in 2014, not 2014, 2004. Yeah. It's yeah, been a while. That's when I moved to Maricopa County. And uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Get, get closer to your to your computer so we can get you. Hear me? Yeah. Okay. All right. I la papada, right? It's all. It's, it's all audio. <laughs> it's all audio. And uh, I was just saying thank you so much for having me on your podcast and letting me share a little bit about my story and what our campaign is doing. Uh, we want to make sure that we amplify uh, our message as much as possible. So, yeah, we've known each other for that many years. It's been a while. This is Raquel Teran, candidate for Legislative District 30 for the House of Representatives, correct, here in Arizona. That's right. Yeah, that's right. We got past the primary. So uh, right now we're in the battle in the general election. Uh, we're very optimistic about uh, the results in November, but we're working really hard to make sure that we get past the November 6th uh, post. And, you know, I have Raquel on here, not so much to push any type of certain political agenda, even though if you've, for my listeners, um, if you've been following me, you'll you'd know where I stand on many of the issues. I, it's I'm very transparent about that, and um, I'm I'm unapologetic. So one of the things, just taking you guys back, um, Raquel and I. So I have an 18 year old and a five year old uh, with my uh, with my husband, and Raquel and I met back in 2004 when Salma, my my 18 year old, was about four years old, and if I remember correctly. Raquel, you were, uh, we were both working for the Association for Supportive Child Care out there in Tempe. And um, I was one of the Arizona Kid and Kin specialists, and Raquel was working in the Phone Friend program. Yes, that's right. That's right. I was working the Phone Friend program. I take that like to heart, really. It's been crazy. Everything, um, I don't know, sometimes people live their lives so intentionally, and that's going to be your next move. For me, my life has always been providential. I've had really uh, amazing experiences that have led me from one thing to another. And when I moved to Phoenix, that's where that's where I first uh, worked. That was my first job here in Maricopa County. And uh, it's just it, it was connected to what I was doing in Tucson. In Tucson, I was an AmeriCorps member. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that. So yeah. uh, I was uh, I worked um, I actually worked at a charter school as support staff. But how things are, you know. I've, things can be crazy in the charter school. I was actually in a classroom teaching. Wow. Uh, yes. Even yeah. more relevant. AmeriCorps, then I went into a charter school and I was in the in the classroom. Uh, that's why Phone Friend was such a good fit because I already had a lot of experience with uh, managing uh, classrooms. 
And through that program, I got to see so much of the disparities in our schools because I remember going to Paradise Valley Unified School District where children also needed the program. You know, they needed to hear about our resources, but also remembering coming to Isaac Elementary School District here on Central West Phoenix and being a witness to the disparities that, that we have in our, in our school districts. Yeah, and I remember, I don't know how much of the the social justice piece you were getting into. I know for myself, I was heavily involved in marches, in that social justice piece. Um, there was, you know, at that time, I, I remember was when I was getting involved with First Things First here yeah. in Arizona, the Valley of the Sun, AUYC. And I remember us just talking about like um, how we can make, how we can create change and, you know, how we can elevate our field and and recognize our our children and families and all of that. So I wanted to just get that connection of of why, you know, I asked you to come here because you do have a foundation in that field um, where we both started from. So yeah, that really so, that's so funny that you mentioned it. Um, you know, in 2006, when the immigration marches happened, uh, that, you know, it was 200,000 yeah. people that came out to march. It was a Monday morning. And I remember taking the day off for mask. Yeah, I just, I'm not coming to work. There's a march that's starting at eight o'clock. And I need to be there with my white t-shirt. It was off. You know what? And I, I, I tell, I always share it with people. Like I remember walking through the crowds and uh, a kid had a sign that said, I love you, America. Why don't you love us? Oh my God. God. So like every time it gets me, every time I have chills and teary eyes, every moment I repeat that phrase, because I do remember uh, the, the, the struggles, right? Because I am originally from Southern Arizona, from Douglas and Aguaprieta at the border. And uh, immigration was very normal in my in my uh, hometown. But one time that I went back uh, to visit, the Minutemen were there, and uh, and those were people who were supposedly protecting the country from people that were coming here for to reunite with families, for work, for the American dream. You know, you know the 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 immigration story. And yes. I remember being pissed. But I wasn't very much connected to any organization. The organization I was connected to was uh, Association for Supportive Child Care. But I was trying to look for other organizations that, that did more immigration work. And um, But while I was working there, that's when I went to the march. I went to the volunteer table, and they gave me voter registration forms. And that was like the easiest time I've ever registered to go to vote because there were so many people there. So I filled out all those voter registrations, turned them into the volunteer table at the end of the march. They called me and later I was volunteering and when I least expected it, I was working in a campaign. And uh, I, it I, all started from there. I mean, it was it's just so inspiring because we talk about for Hispanic Heritage Month, I have another colleague where we talk about um, Latinas in ed. Um, and while, you know, you're not specifically in the classroom with with uh, as a classroom teacher now I wanted to bring you in because you know that foundation was was so eye-opening I feel like and then our connection too and just um, fighting for our our community um, through those initiatives as well and having some Latina role models some Latina representation especially here in Arizona I mean you know Raquel this the this the 
um, K-12 specifically in the, in um, here in Arizona is almost 50% student uh, Latino population yet yeah. we're not represented. Our, our, our students are not represented. Um, mm-hmm. It's the lack of diversity um, um, in the classrooms as well as in um, administrative roles as well. Like in the, our school boards, um, the governor appointed school boards, there's only like two, maybe three uh, Latino uh, appointed represent, you know, representation. And yet we have almost 50% Latino students here. So I thought it was, you know, important to get you on um, timely. So I'm so happy that you were able to come on. Um, I want to talk about just kind of shift about now your your role as a parent, because since yeah. then, you've kind of grown up. <laughs> I'm 40 now. I feel I'm so grown up. <laughs> Yeah. You, you have a beautiful boy. I, mean, I have a boy. I have a two-year-old. Yes, he's a he's a toddler. We're potty, we're campaigning. I'm working and I'm potty training. Okay, trying to potty train. Oh my god, I give up more like it's okay. That could oh be another episode in itself. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. We we've all we've all been there. I mean, talk to me a little bit about early childhood now you know, at, in, with this lens of you being a parent and why it's important for you. Yeah, no, uh, I, I love that you touched that topic because yeah, I, uh, running for office, uh, one of the issues that we talk about a lot is education, right? And we talk about fully funding education from uh, early childhood to, to uh, college yeah. years. But I always talk about the fact that my kid is two in one year. I mean, he, I, we, not in one year, in a few months, yeah. we need to make sure he is in a good, you know, pre-K. He's in good pre-K school. And how do we make that decision if I know, like, in good conscience that we don't have fully funded schools or that that's not, that's not even an option right now to send yeah. him to pre-K? How expensive it is, like, taking that into consideration and just wanting him to have the best experience that he can so it's becoming it's becoming like a a a financial conversation in our household right where uh i i mean my my husband uh works in in the tech industry uh and uh, uh he has uh like well we have right now we have the means but i've been in a situation where we don't have the means you know i the most people in the district do not have the means they do you know the median income in this district is $29,000. Wow. $29,000. So uh, the fact that uh, it's, it's a rare conversation that I'm able to have it like, okay, we're going to have to pay for pre-K, but it's, no, we need to work to fully fund our schools so that our children have their, they, they, they have the tools to be successful. In order for us to cut that cycle of poverty, it's going to start by, we need to start by investing at three years of age. Absolutely. Absolutely. In early childhood. I mean, I don't want to get too much in that, in uh, my next, uh, like I said, we can talk about the parenting aspect, the topic um, in in a full episode, but as a mom, with all of the things that are going on on your plate, how are you finding time to decompress? Like, how are you avoiding burnout? Wow. Sometimes, oh my God, that's a really, sometimes you don't think about it. Sometimes, well, one of the things that I've learned in organizing is like, we're the masters of our own calendar. So just blocking it, 
I'm trying to block that time to be with, like, unfortunately, I even have family time blocked yeah, on my calendar. I agree. And it's it's uh, being intentional about that, being intentional about, um, you know, I'm going to go and get my nails done. Sometimes uh, when I least expect, expecting, I'm decompressing at Costco when I'm running to get my, you know, you're decompressing because you just got out of everything, but that's not decompressing. That is not <laughs> Decompressing when I leave the house and I'm not doing something in front of the computer or with a kid or campaign stuff or with my husband. And but it is uh blocking in the calendar. My hair appointments are on my calendar, you know, nails are on my calendar, and that type of thing. You have to sometimes just block it. And then decompressing sometimes means for me is now being family time. Family yeah. time. Like that, that gives me so much energy. I don't think um, people realize that when you love what you do, whether it's, uh, you know, whatever type of position, you always want to do it. Oh, yeah. and, it's that, hard, and it's hard to walk away. That, that's at least how I always feel. I'm like, but I love this. I love doing it. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like work. However, I've come to recognize that I do need to step away and I do need to block off the time and I do need to re-energize so I can be 150% present for my kids and for my spouse, right? Yeah. And it's, it's so hard to be so intentional about it, right? Because uh, last year I was really intentional about my exercise. And then one, from one moment on, I left it. And then now I have to work hard again to put it in my schedule. But that was one, one way of, of decompressing. But every single moment you have to be intentional about it. That's yeah. Different. Yeah, absolutely. I know. Um, take me to when you were coming up in, in the positions, because right, right now, are you, where are you working at? So in case folks don't know where you're at. No. Yeah. Fortunately I get to work at Planned Parenthood. I'm working uh, with Planned Parenthood, working their uh, federal fight back campaign. So after the 2016 election, so I've been, so I left ask right after ask, I left and then it all became about civic engagement. Because if we wanted to change the anti-immigrant sentiment, that got me motivated to march and uh, or get our schools fully funded or fight for voting rights, we needed to build political power. Yeah. So most of my engagement has been in, in civic engagement and organizing. So uh, when 2016 happened, that we ended up with uh, with President Trump. Um, Grand Parenthood called me and said if they if I wanted to come and, and lead their campaign. Uh, fighting the federal attacks that the organization was going to see. Number one was making sure that we kept our doors open because yeah, yeah. You know, access accessibility, to, absolutely. Right? Access to reproductive rights are at risk. It's so crazy. I can't believe I'm saying this. Like so, and it, like it, every moment, uh, it's it's surreal to know that we're fighting for reproductive rights and health care. I think that's, I mean, that that's just so powerful. I want to make a personal connection to that. When I was in high school, I had to go and use Planned Parenthood for, that's just for various reasons, because for, for those that um, are listening to us and don't know, I am Mexican and my family, my mom is super traditional Mexican mom. We just did not speak about, um, education none, none of that <laughs> I right. any of that and I'm like oh my god I don't want to like I was hearing my friends say this and that conversations and I'm like oh my god I need to get the you know informed 
<laughs> and I think I remember somebody passing me information, a pamphlet, and I went to go check them out. And that was probably the best thing I ever did because it debunked so much stuff I had in my head and this, this scared stuff from my mom, I remember. Um, so regardless of where you stand, uh, as far as on the aisle, as um, if you're listening to this, you know, information is key. Information is a co commodity now. We need to make sure our young people are staying informed with the right information. Yeah, and like you mentioned, just accessibility, right? It's yeah. like getting the information and then having access to the to the to to your healthcare. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. So I ended up working at, uh, I, I uh, ended up working not in the healthcare centers, more on the advocacy piece. And I work with the organizers and we have organizers in three parts of the state, uh, in Tucson here in uh, Maricopa and in, in Flagstaff. So um, my work is more behind the scenes and working with and coaching them to make sure that we are holding our elected officials accountable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I was just going to ask, do you remember coming up any mentors? Because I mean, you've done so much within your personal and professional career. Anybody that was a potential influence that, um, you know, you not just there's always not just one for me. There's been so many, um, you know, that in, through my journey. But any 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 initial type of mentors that were helpful to you? Well, I remember many people from, I mean, I always talk about my parents and that's like, those are like the first type of mentors I have because yeah. those are the people that first, uh, you know, teach you the values and the, my value of community service does come from my family and from my grandparents. And I mean, that's, that's what's instilled in us as we grow up. But, uh, so for, for me, them are, are, they are great mentors, uh, my, my, uh, family, but also, I mean, I've, I'm always scared to name one person, no, but yeah, you, know. you know, you know, you you start to do that. But even like people who are my my age or younger than me are my mentors, like Cynthia Arawan, uh, Jamie Pearl. They're they're my they're they're people who listen that coach you. Uh, Randy Parras, he is the one. Like I think he saw more talent in me than I ever thought I had in terms of organizing. And he got me out of my comfort zone. Uh, this Mexican from Agua Prieta. I knew there was something. I knew there was a spark <laughs> there. I knew it. I Oh, my gosh. I you remember know, just like, conversations. You, know, you have the initiative, right? Because you have the initiative. How do you how do you get it done? You, you do need those people to help, you know, to coach you. Yeah, and to shape coach them. You. Hey, go ahead and make mistakes. Maybe sometimes... One of the things I struggled with the most, sometimes I was articulating, uh, I, I had the, the, the gut feeling that something was wrong, but I didn't know how to take action. Mm -hmm. So I, I find myself that even as, as I'm, I am in different capacities, the people I get to mentor, they become my mentors too. I have a 24-year-old uh, campaign manager who sits me down and, and manages this crazy 40, 40-year-old. 40 so it comes in so many ways. I, I, I think that, uh, but those people that I, that I mentioned, and then I, there's, there's this interesting balance because there's a, a there's a, a lot of guys who have actually, I, I've, you know, that have been, sometimes they, it's hard for, for them to step aside and yeah. Hey, it's time to, to have a, to, to let the, the, not let we own it. We have to own it. Yeah. The space too, we have to fight it. 
but there's been good good men mentors as well. But I've had a lot of of like I and I mentioned that Cynthia, yeah. Cynthia is uh, is now uh, the chief of staff of the Arizona Democrat the not the Arizona Democrats in the in the House. So hopefully I'm going to get to work with her. But over the years, she's just such a wise woman. Uh, and that, I yeah, and I like mentioning those. I like bringing those up because. Um, for those listeners that are looking to connect or to follow um, certain folks that are in our, our circles here in our state, or, at, or even if you're listening from out of state, um, it's certainly important to have those go-to people to, to check out. Yeah, right. And, you know, it, and it's so important to, to figure out uh, these relationships through one-on-one. So many people want to teach us so many people want to want to move on and and kind of retire from the activism or the organizing or whatever work they're they're doing and they want to there's more people that want to teach them what we think so sometimes it's asking for mentorship very true um i want to make sure i have time for any plugs or local um, initiatives that you want to mention for our audience um, any, uh, yeah, go ahead. Sure. No, I'm, I'm glad that you, uh, give me that opportunity because I'm very mindful. This is a nonpartisan, uh, more of a nonpartisan podcast, but for everybody that's listening, we really want to encourage everybody to vote up and down the ballot, right? Uh, and up the ballot, we're going to have a U.S. Senator and we are experiencing right now the consequences of, uh, of our elections, yeah. uh, regardless where you stand, if you support it, you, if it, it might be a consequence that you like, it might be a consequence that you don't like. So it's important to go uh, from the top of the ticket to the bottom of the ticket. And the bottom of the ticket, we're going to have a, an initiative, uh, Proposition Proposition 305. And we're asking people to vote no on 305 so that we don't take public funding in, and, and give it to people who are in the who are the most wealthy to reimburse them for sending their children to schools. We need to make sure that we get all the resources into public education as possible. So that's one. Uh, I personally am supporting Proposition 127. I'm saying yes to that. Renewable energy by 2030. The, there's uh, one corporation that's trying to debunk the, the whole thing. Um, I just, uh, Marisa, I don't know if you saw, oh yeah, you did, you did, you saw Oh yes, I did, girl. Oh yes, and I shared it. (laughs) But, uh, you know, there's a, there's, there are many corporations here in Arizona that are very greedy, and I think APS is one of them, and, 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 uh, they're trying to debunk this, this, uh, proposition, and we're going to need to work really hard to make sure that we, uh, that we get the vote out. And this election finally is going to be about the vote it's yeah. if you can vote if you are 18 by the day of the election if you change uh your 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 address if you change your political affiliation if you change your name re-register the last day to register is october 9th i'm not sure okay. if this, uh if this if this is i think i think that's tuesday yeah it's yeah. tuesday next week so when it when this is released it might be uh, the final day to register it'll, to vote. It'll, yeah, it'll get released on um, on a Sunday night, so people. Okay, will so you have, have two days. Yeah. You have two days to register. <laughs> go, go to service Get your early ballot. Vote and family. Vote and community. Discuss all the people that are going to be on the ballot with your with with uh, with whomever you want to vote. 
Excuse I know me. Go ahead. Yeah, for myself, uh, my daughter who turned 18 um, in September, we at, that was one of the first things we did was go online and go through that registration process for her. So that's awesome. That's great. Make up absolutely. and put it on social media when you vote together. <laughs> that's going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So before I let you go, obviously, thank you again for coming on. Uh, I want to ask you one last really you know, might be a pivotal question for you, for your career. Um, and I'm being absolutely sarcastic here, okay? <laughs> um, tacos or tostadas, Raquel? Tacos. Tacos mil veces, tacos. <laughs> <laughs> and tacos what's that? I don't care if it comes out in a negative attack in the future. <laughs> You're getting the authentic. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, geez, I, could, I can't imagine how that could be spun, but... Um, I'm so thankful, Raquel, um, for you to come on the podcast, and it's so it's such a pleasure, and so it's so brings me so much joy to see some of my fellow amigas uh, making such big changes in our state, especially you know those that are affecting our our kids and our family and our community. So thank you so much for coming back on, and I look forward to to, to seeing you online and seeing you continue to canvas. All right. Well, no, thank you for having me. And I look forward to working with you because I think you have such an amazing mind for early childhood. And I love to pick your brain and you tell me what we need to do in the state legislature as well. Uh, our door, my door. I'm, I, okay, I need to get elected November 6th. <laughs> but uh, if, we, if we're optimistic, uh, I'm, I'm really hoping that we get to connect with you and many of the other colleagas from ASK to make sure that we push uh, early childhood forward. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Okay. Gracias a ti. Bye. Well, that was so much fun. I love reconnecting with Raquel. I hope you enjoyed that. This episode is airing out right before Arizona's voter registration deadline, which is Tuesday, October 9th. So if you haven't already done so, make sure you check out servicearizona.com and register to vote. For our listeners outside of Arizona, make sure you're registered to vote too, regardless of where you stand on the political aisle. I think we can all agree that we want to support policies that support children, families, and educators, right? If you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed making it, make sure you are also leaving us a review on iTunes. Share out the podcast to your network. You can listen from any of the popular podcasting apps and don't forget to stay connected with us on social media. We're on all of the popular ones. If you have a guest idea topic you'd like for us to cover or maybe interested in learning how you can support the podcast, check out the website at earlychildhoodjourneys.com. Thanks, everybody.